0: watching tonight's Not Just Crew.
1: Welcome to uh, Monday's Not Just Crew. Wow, we've got an amazing show for you today. This is one uh, we've been working on a while. Simon, even longer. He's managed to get YouTube sensation, Noel Phillips, uh, to come and meet us on uh, Not Just Crew. Um, This is really, really big for us. Uh, So, I mean, we've been watching Noel's uh, videos, we've been watching his uh, growth on YouTube, and more exciting for us, he is now our colleague, on Travel uh, travel.radio doing the uh, 11 to 12, 12 slot before our show every sunday so i know site again it's like an excitable child so i'm going to bring him in so he can tell us how he managed to bag us a <laughs> sorry <hey. laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm not in my normal studio you can see i'm in uh, i'm in deepest darkest uh, wales in uh, pembrokeshire at, uh, at spring uh, spring cottage having a lovely time which you can find on the crew market by the way sorry um you've been after Noel for a long time. He is what? a YouTube sensation. I know. Um, I know you're very excited. Yeah. Here we are. Yeah. In a couple of minutes. We're going to be speaking to him. I'm going to be quiet and let you have a get a quick word in.
2: Yeah. Well. That's uh, enough. Uh, yeah. But enough. Uh, for many <laughs> of you out there uh, who were probably very uh, aware and followed Noel Phillips for quite a while now, uh, he has been. I mean, obviously, we'll get Noel to like go through what he's uh, what he's done uh, from through over the last 20 years. With his amazing youtube channel he's fantastic following phenomenal i've got all the figures here for you it'll just blow you away and uh like his videos and his insight the aviation and travel is unbelievable he gives you a flying eyes view of everything that uh, goes on from obviously boarding the aircraft what their experience is like in flight i mean it's not just aviation it's it's trains it's all forms of travel He's uh, he he's well, he's been everywhere. This guy's been everywhere. In fact, we'll ask him later on when he comes on, where hasn't he been? I know there's a couple of places he'd like to go on his bucket list. But uh, Noel Phillips, he is now one of our fellow presenters of travel out radio. But he needs no introduction wherever you, wherever you go in the flying community. And uh, we've managed to have him on our show this evening. And I'm I'm super super. Uh, pleased that we're, we're able to interview this amazing guy.
0: Oh, I know yeah.
2: he's, he's probably sitting there in the green room cringing as we speak. I can see him away grinning there, like going, This is ridiculous. But uh, it's an honor for us to have you on, Nolan. I'm dying to find out a little bit more about you. So without any further ado, let's bring the man in. Should I hit that button? <laughs> yeah, here
0: he is. Hey, I'm not quite sure how we'll live up to all that now. So You've kind of made my head explode a bit there, but yeah. <laughs>
1: well deserved. No, well, well, well deserved. Um, I'm not sure where to start, so I'm going to start at the beginning. Um, how did you even sort of get into this? We're going to how you became a, a, a sensational YouTube uh, tuber soon, um, but going back to young Noel, you were born in the eighties. I'd only been smoking a, uh, a year in 1980 uh, <clears throat> at, at school, but how did you first get into aviation and was it always your um, your, your first your first love?
0: It really was. Yeah. So I um, was, as long as I can remember, I was into planes and I never got to travel and fly on planes as a kid at all. Unlike a lot of people, Um, we didn't really get that opportunity. And I used to live in Leicester and Leicester's under some massive airways. So we used to get all of the planes flying over constantly. Um, And I don't know why, but I was just always fascinated by them. Just sort of had it in my head. They were off to some like really exotic destination or something when in reality, it was probably just Business people going to Edinburgh, but um, at the time it seemed like really exotic, um, and I sort of grew up with this, always wanting to travel on a plane. Um, I remember at one point writing to Jim will fix it, obviously um, a <laughs> character that's um, not not as in, in the good books these days. But I remember writing to Jim will fix it, asking if I could fly on an airliner when I was little, <laughs> and to go and fly on a plane because this is how much I was into aviation, you know. um And then when I was, I think I was about eleven, and our school decided they were going to do this big exchange trip with a school over in Moscow, um, which at the time had just literally come out of the Soviet Union. Um, We were within a few months of the breakdown of the Soviet Union here. And um, that yeah, they were going to send us over to this school and do an exchange trip and stay with a family over in moscow um and that was all great but for me it was like i need to do this because i need to fly on a plane right you know forget everything else you know forget the fact that we're going to visit this really amazing part of the world i want to fly on a plane so i was going to do everything i could to get onto that flight over to moscow um and yeah, my family basically—I managed to persuade them and um, won them over, and they scrimped and saved and eventually raised the few hundred quid it was to send me on this trip. And yeah. um, off I went to Moscow on a BA seven six seven back in nineteen ninety two. Um, Which airline, no? BA. So BA, um, it was. It was a brand new seven six seven. It was about three months old at the time. Um, hence why, for many years, the BA seven six has been like a really sort of important part of my life because obviously it was the, the aircraft that I first flew on and that got me interested in aviation um, so yeah we flew over to Moscow the flight itself was just like the most incredible experience obviously back then you could go up on the flight deck and stuff so yeah. they'd let us up and they were giving us all postcards of the plane and showing us around the cockpit and I was just hooked on planes from that moment on really it was like I wanted nothing else in the world <laughs> yeah I'd <laughs> to, to be on planes
1: i think um especially young especially my children actually um I think they forget what an amazing experience it was to go on a on an airline a lot like you i mean my first flight was seventy nine with uh a non well it doesn't exist anymore Britannia airways yeah. to yeah. las palmas and i even after I had that first flight, all I could think about was return flight. So I really didn't enjoy the holiday as much as I should, because I was just going to get back on the aircraft. So it's definitely something that stays with you. Um, obviously um, then, uh, at Heathrow, you could go to the old Queens building, they had a brilliant viewing platform. And, uh, but no, I was absolutely excited. But so, so your sort of real interest in aviation became through lack of availability to get onto a plane. So you've just seen these planes, uh, go go over, uh, over Overhead uh, And that, that was a, totally amazing Absolute, Absolutely amazing But so, si, when, when when was your first flight? Not the first one with Virgin, no well, doubt was
2: it, was trying was to, it was two years After you, so in 1981 I'm not sure if that's when Charles and Diana uh, yeah. got married Roughly about the same time uh, And it was to Corfu uh, Again, British Air I do believe I can't remember the plane itself. Uh, what what the what make model the plane was because I was uh, I was quite quite a chunky kid growing up. So like I was very into like what food you were going to get on board the aircraft, uh, how much of it you were going to get. Uh, I didn't I didn't write in the fix it thankfully.
1: You've heard rumours, you
2: see. <laughs> <laughs> Me mum and dad sorted that out for us, but. Uh, yeah, I just remember. I think I just slept the majority. I didn't really have any true passion as a child for aviation. Uh, it wasn't really until, I mean, I was very well travelled. As I, thankfully to my mum and dad, they took us to a lot of a lot of countries where a lot of like families just stayed at home kind of thing and did like you know caravans and all that. We went abroad quite a lot. We went to Spain, Greece, Romania. Uh, I remember going there because it must have been like mega cheap. And uh, and just, yeah, it, it wasn't until I, I started flying as crew in 1988 that that's when my true passion for aviation totally kicked in. And my first experiences, obviously, working as crew on board of an aircraft was on the good old 747s. And I just, wow. I just fell in love with that plane. It's, it's where I've, I met, met my wife, my current wife, that is. Uh, uh, we met on board that aircraft on a five-night Vegas going out there. So it's got so many special memories. And... Uh, yeah, I just I just I just love what I just love aircraft. I love watching them go sure. over I like to hear the aircraft noise. I love the smell of the aircraft. I mean, you must you must like love that. I mean, it doesn't matter how many times you've been on board of an aircraft and all. I mean, you've probably lost count now how many sectors you've actually travelled. But the, just the smell, the excitement, getting on does it ever grow old?
0: It doesn't, no, absolutely. Um, and like you say, it's the whole experience. Like, even the moment you walk up to the airport and you can smell the kerosene in the air, and that's just, you know, for me, you know, I, I spent much of my teenage years and my younger years at Birmingham Airport watching planes, and that smell just takes me right back every single time, you know, and just the the sound and the smells and the whole, just the whole experience of it, you know, it's incredible, isn't it?
2: Yeah. I'll tell you what, there's one smell that you, you can kind of, like, uh, not get used to that you kind of want to forget and it's when you you know like after a, a flight uh, say coming back from Orlando and you've got 200 children on board uh, a lot of people. <laughs> and as ground staff and as crew when you first did an aircraft visit so you've gone from being outside so your nostrils aren't quite used to those uh, those smells and when you first get on board that aircraft you're like oh my what is <laughs> like when you work in the flight as crew, you, you kind of progressively get used to it, but yeah. you yeah. get that uh, inhalation. It's like what is o- o-
1: odor bone? We used to call it. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, t- t- so taking you forward, uh, you you graduated from school with first class honours and about hundred O levels. Well, no, so so you, you left school. Yeah. Uh, what um, did you know then? Which direction you want to go in, or were you like most youngsters who thought they knew what they wanted to do? Then wasn't one hundred percent sure. Take absolutely. The, after you left school,
0: absolutely didn't have a clue. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I'd sort of through school, I kind of figured I wanted to do travel and tourism at college. That was where I, I sort of wanted to be. But then, as I, I think I went through work experience, and I did. I went to a freight forwarding company, which was the closest oh, thing right. I could find. Was doing air freight as to. <laughs> to shipping passengers and I I kind of did that and I thought well that was pretty cool I enjoyed that it was reasonable Um, and I just found myself doing um, that sort of job for a bit when I left school um, working in Air freight and um, shipping things around. It didn't last long because the novelty of sticking stuff on planes soon got pretty old. When you're yeah. <laughs> just looking at a computer screen and printing papers off, but um, I um, I struck gold because I found a company then um, down in Rugby. So and and they were effectively they're part of Reed Aviation now, so a massive company. But they did an aviation software and um, business basically. Um, and the job was they um, contacted airlines and things and manufacturers around the world, and they sold a database to And people like maintenance companies um, listing all the aircraft that every company had, how many hours they had, how many cycles they had, all that sort of stuff, so that maintenance companies could go off and basically sell their products to these companies. And my job was to spend all day effectively ringing around airlines, um, getting information on their fleets and making sure it was all up to date the benefit of that is that i was surrounded by aviation geeks like 24 7 so i met so many friends working at that company um and we used to go on plane spotting trips and i think that, that was effectively, I think that was what started my kind of let's go fly in and let's just fly for the fun of it. Because um, we'd just say, right, we're going to go and do a, a day at Charles de Gaulle and do plane spotting for a day. And like a group of six of us would jump on an old plane and fly over to Paris oh. and just do plane spotting for the day and come back. And that's, I guess that's kind of where it all started, really, where it all kicked off big time for me, um, my love of aviation. Um, oh, wow.
1: I was going to say no, no. You know, uh, like jumping on these planes for a day, plane spotting. To the rest of the world, is that a very British activity? Because no one else sort of seems to be big plane spotters. I remember there was an incident where um, some plane spotters went over to Cyprus. Could have been Northern Cyprus, Turkish Air Force, where they were arrested because they they thought they were spies. So I mean, you've been across the world. Is it just the British or do other uh, nationalities have this uh, very, uh, well, we call it an interesting uh, part-time, pastime even?
0: Um, Well, there are aviation geeks all over the world. And I think Britain's one of, you know, there's a lot of people here who are into aviation, but I think there's other parts of the world that will rival us in that aspect as well. I mean, you head over to the Netherlands, for example, um, and literally they've got some of the biggest aviation museums there and they've got the massive uh, viewing terrace up at Amsterdam airport Um, they do air shows and things over there as well so the Netherlands there's a massive spotter community in Germany as well Um, even further afield um, if you head over to like Bangladesh for example Bangladesh I never expected to have the aviation community that it does Um, but it's insane and they've got like massive groups of spotters that turn up to the airport and take pictures of the planes coming in um, which is I never expected that somewhere like that and I think wherever you go in the world you can find like little pockets of people that are incredibly enthusiastic about aviation Mm -hmm. Um, some of my best performing videos have been the ones I've done in the Indian subcontinent so in India and Bangladesh and Pakistan because they're just mad on planes over there just like we are. So, Mm -hmm.
1: is is that is that because um, it might have been the same for us in the 70s how we sort of got into sort of look look, looking at planes is that because it's considered such an expense Um, and these planes, we will think they're going off these glamorous sort of destinations. Uh, Because I know in in India, and you might have come across this yourself, they have airport plane experiences where people pay to get on, sit in a seat, and sit on that seat for six hours, and they've got a major crew, and they will give them a meal service, and that lot, but not actually, actually, go anywhere but they uh, a lot of people just pay for the experience of what it's going to be like because a lot of them won't be able to do it in in real life
0: yeah it's, it's crazy isn't it um i mean we're very lucky and i'm particularly very lucky that i get to do this as a job um but yeah i have to remember and i do every time i make these videos i have to look back and think hang on a minute for so many years even in, i mean even after my russia trip for example it was another seven years after that before i got on a plane again and, the you know, it was just so exotic for me to be able to travel. And I would do anything I could to get into that aviation sort of mindset. I used to buy, I don't know if you've seen them, they're like just planes videos. And they, effectively, they were um, flight deck videos before the internet was a thing. And you'd buy a VHS yeah. with a load of flights on. I mean, I remember watching one with Air Atlanta, Icelandic, and they had like these tri-stars that they were flying around to, like the Mediterranean and stuff. And I'd just sit for hours glued to these videos because it was my only way I could actually... Experience aviation, and I think my kind of channel has been born out of that desire that I never had this when I was growing up, and yeah. I never had the opportunity to travel. Yeah. So for me, being able to share what I do and to share flying on these really exotic planes sometimes um, is effective. I don't know; it's it's a way to make sure that other people can enjoy this. I, I just wish I'd have had something like this to watch when I was little. Yeah.
2: Can I just ask Noel as well? I mean, like with with your passion for like aviation is like uh as a young man like in his early 20s you know experiencing like the the the, the life of romance and stuff did you ever have any trouble because this is this would be quite hard for, like, <laughs> to, you know, to kind of get the head around like you know like this man he loves planes he's, he's so like into them it's crazy did you ever have any trouble getting a girlfriend
0: oh uh, yeah absolutely um it, it was horrendous <laughs> i mean it's not exactly the most sort of glamorous thing for somebody to do is it spotting planes at the end of a runway yeah. um and i remember um, so I, I met my wife i mean I, my wife i met when i was 19 and i'm still uh, we're still married today and sh- how i ended up getting with her i've got no idea because the photo i sent i mean i i met her through i don't know if you you you've got probably remember this because you're a similar sort of um, vintage to me but um you uh, we used to have something called dateline we didn't have internet dating back in the 90s it was something called dateline and you would used to get like a massive pack of papers of like suitable matches um, yeah. the old school dating agency basically it was like tinder before like the internet was a thing
2: yeah. and
0: um <laughs> Yeah, and, and I met Rage through that and I said to, you know, when, when we agreed to meet up, I was like, let's go and meet somewhere. She, was, she lived in Nottingham, I lived in Leicester. Um, so she got this picture of me, um, of me wearing this ridiculous plane spotter outfit that I thought was cool and it really wasn't, um, of me standing next to a Cessna at Leicester Airport. I, th- I thought it would be like... You know, any any woman would like go shaky at the knees at the thought of seeing a guy with a plane like that, but clearly not. Um, And she literally, apparently, she saw it in like absolutely no way. And her mum said, "Oh, he might be all right. Go give him a try," (laughs) Um, which which was a a nice start, wasn't it? Um, And we met up at um, so our first meeting was at Nottingham Airport at Tollerton because her dad had suggested. You know, we all know where that is because it's like an airfield, and yeah, and quite how you know she managed to sort of end up liking me i've got no idea so <laughs> um, here we are like 20 years this well, year we've been married 20 years which is wow. ridiculous yeah, okay. I, mean, from... I
2: mean i wouldn't thank you i was a postman for like 10 years and then obviously i started flying in 1998 and then uh, all my relationships up to that were only ever with people who kind of like knew about airlines and aviation and uh i would like I would think I was pretty phenomenal, you know what I mean? Like some some kind of guy, you know, the man around town, like in the in the cabin crew world. And then I would come back up to the northeast and then uh, I would talk about, obviously, flying. And nobody give nobody gave, like, you know, no. two hoops at all about the... the, the uh, People
0: don't get it, do they? And,
2: no, they don't <laughs> get it at all, but like going back on the planes and then, like, you know, and then obviously met my wife through airline, she's still flying, she's 25 years now and this this passion it, it'll never go It's once I, when i joined the airline in 98 it's like i was just finding my way i was just kind of like uh like probably finding my true self and like it's what 2022 now it's like I, I just love it so much i love the people that's in the airline industry i love the cabin crew i love the pilots i love the ground staff i love the planes it's just it's something that you just, when you find your true call and it's just, it, it, it'll never leave you. And, and, and you're trying to express that to other people and they just don't, a lot of people don't get it, do they?
0: Absolutely, absolutely that. Um. I mean, I remember when I left, Um. so I eventually left the aviation company because we moved up to Nottingham after I'd met um, Rage. And um, it was like a two hour drive each way. I couldn't keep it up, but all I wanted to do was be in aviation. Um, and I ended up falling into an IT career and I spent, The best part of 20 years working in it um all the time trying to find a way out but the problem is i got so sidelined into it um, and i had a passion for it in the early days but it was one of those things that as you went on the passion sort of wore off but as the passion wore off you've got more and more experience of working in it therefore to actually leave that career and do something else Mm -hmm. is really difficult um i looked you know there was a point when i was at a particularly low point in my it career and i was like you know what i'm going to go and do a job as a baggage handler or something like that down at east midlands because it was my it was a way i could get to be around planes and that would have resulted in like a 50 percent pay cut for me at the time Mm -hmm. but it's just it's difficult to explain and my wife was always like you know as much as she understands the aviation aspect of it to actually um appreciate how much you've got to be around aviation to continue you know to get that fix effectively it's it's, it's very difficult
2: and can so, i just so sorry there trev can i just ask when was your light bulb moment where you kind of thought you know what i've got an idea i'm going to run with it and when did that start and how did it kind of like begin and how did it progress to become these ridiculous numbers that you've
0: got now. I'm going to really disappoint you here, Simon, because there wasn't really a light bulb moment. And and a lot of people think, oh, yeah, you must have just, you know, when did you decide to start a YouTube channel? And it didn't happen like that at all for me. So what happened was um, I used to be on a a web forum called airliners.net back in the day. Um, It was the biggest aviation community on the web. And... As part of that, they'd got this forum of trip reports where people would take a flight. They'd take photos and stuff on the flight and upload these trip reports onto airliners net. Um, and for many years, this was obviously pre-YouTube. So to actually experience what it was like to go on a, on a flight and do an adventure like that, I'd sit and read these forums. And I'd spend my lunch breaks at work, just sitting, scrolling through, reading people's stories of flying on random airlines around the world. And I decided that I would start doing that. Um, now, at the time, obviously, I'm flying maybe twice, three times a year. Um, but I, out of those twice, three times a year, I started writing about them and taking photos. So, more than anything, I've got like a, a record of the flight for myself, you know, yeah. and I can go back and read it at any time. Um, I started taking like videos as well and popping them on my own website, just of the takeoff and landing of the plane, um, to sort of enhance the report. And then I remember sort of about two thousand and six or so, um, there was you know, YouTube had become a bit of a thing. It was starting to take off, um, forgive the pun. Um and um I, I I just effectively started using it. It was free free video hosting for me was the reason I started using it. So I just started chucking up videos, didn't do anything with them. You know, they were called like IMG zero zero eight two or something, you know. Um and, and that's it, just stick them on YouTube and um off it went. Well what, what was um, the
1: I, um I was gonna say sorry no sorry to, what was the quick so this is when youtube first started so to get a successful video on board obviously equipments has changed massively now has has as, as, as yeah. well as technology has so what what equipment were you carrying around yeah. because i mean i imagine video cameras were and these were actual video cameras they weren't even the digital yeah. ones
0: uh it well i did it so originally when i first started we'd got they'd got um digital tapes i actually know the original ones i did had got um, high eight tapes which were analog tapes i've still got a box full of them i'd love to dig them out because there's like flights back as far as like 2000 in there um which i which i'd love to dig out and get converted at some point um but yeah eventually i moved on to these digital tapes which were little tape things um and i used to use a like a special, I think it was a firewire cable or something to put them yeah, on my yeah, PC. Cool. Um, yeah. And that's that's how I'd get them off eventually. It was a little camcorder, a little Sony thing, and eventually progressed onto one that had got a memory card in it. So it would just be a case of copying it over, which was a light bulb moment for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that was kind of as, as I started putting more videos online, um, the, the equipment got smaller. So I could film more, you know, before you'd be starting, you know, you'd maybe get like 20 minutes of video on a tape or something like when it first started um, and have to look around this massive camcorder. And then by the sort of mid 2000s, um, after I started uploading these videos onto YouTube, we started getting smaller cameras. And I think I had one that would just fit in the palm of your hand, which was incredible. I could just carry yeah. that and just film Um clearly it was a lot more difficult filming with a massive piece of equipment than it is yeah, with a yeah. little GoPro because it's a lot more noticeable and um, a lot more people kind of don't like you filming. And Back then especially, it wasn't so much of a big thing as it is now. Um But yeah, so I I carried on putting all these videos onto YouTube, and I remember logging in one day, and I'd got like 1,500 subscribers, and I was like, what on earth? Where have these come from? You know, people are actually subscribing to watch these. Maybe they were seeing, I don't know, the the videos on airliners net and um, clicking across, but I'd never even thought about it, Um, and i think it was like it must have been like 2012 and we did a trip to australia um with the family and we flew on emirates and effectively we would got two weeks in australia doing not much and while i was there i was like you know what i'm going to edit this video i've taken and make a really nice video out of it and i did and it made like about a 40 50 minute video for youtube which was like massive um in terms of length and um Uploaded it when I got back and that I, I think it was that video that really sort of sparked my channel growth mm. um, And I think at that moment in time it was a case of we could start making something of this we can start making these videos um, and People will watch them focus solely on YouTube rather than through um, airliners net.
1: Yeah,
0: well well look I
2: mean to date All of your videos on YouTube are 62 million 964,085 views. 62. Let's That's just incredible, 60 isn't it? Million, you know, 63 million. You've, one of your highest viewed shows, which was in 2018, it was the UK to New Zealand return in three days. 2,893 oh. views. I think you can't quite, believe it. I bet you can't. I kind of believe it. Absolutely mean.
0: not. I mean that that video for me. I mean it's my worst video I've ever done. To be oh, wow. honest, it, it, it's a terrible, terrible video. Do not watch this video. It's like it's awful. Like the quality. I was filming it on my phone or something, and just the quality was terrible. I. At the time, these videos didn't do well at all, so I didn't put much effort into them. So I just literally just throw them together and stick them on YouTube. And I thought, you know what, I'll stick it. I, I did it for a while. We were going to be away on holiday because... Um, you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to do very well, it was just going to be some guy taking a flight to New Zealand and back um, and I just sort of stuck it on YouTube yeah, Two and a half
2: million views uh, not doing very well, mate I know, yeah, to-
0: exactly, and I'm away on holiday, and my phone starts buzzing like constant, and I'm, what's going on? and there's like all these messages coming through and I, and I was getting a lot of hate on that video it was the first time yeah. really that I'd experienced like negativity because when a video suddenly goes viral and gets loads of views you get a lot of people commenting who aren't interested in it and think you're an idiot and whatever oh, and wow. um yeah that was my first sort of first experience of that and I was like what and yeah the video's done amazing and it's it's a terrible video because the editing was just thrown together so quickly mm-hmm. um you can barely hear me I've, I've I've got my phone up and I'm like talking to my phone but I'm like this so i can actually pick up my voice on the plane so like half the phone of the video is like my face and like yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing else is well,
2: without negativity then no how did that impact you
0: it was really, really tough um that was my first real experience of it. I have to say, because that was the first video I ever did that went completely nuts and to be suddenly getting called all sorts of things I got called some horrendous things and i I spiraled my mental health on that holiday was just ridiculous wow. because um obviously you're suddenly getting all of this abuse and all of this hate and it's just come out of nowhere it's just completely yeah. come out of nowhere um and yeah it's it was really hard and i guess over the years it's never got easy um but i can kind of deal with things a little bit better now than i used to be able to um just lately i've been doing i mean the last couple of videos i've done in india actually which um, we spoke about briefly earlier Mm -hmm. um people in india are very passionate about their airlines and their trains and things Mm -hmm. and if you no no matter what you put on you tend to find people that are being incredibly negative and some of the comments we've had on that uh, to be honest i'm just at the point now where i'm just laughing at them because it doesn't affect me like it used to. Um, the thing that really gets me and it really gets under my skin and affects me is when you find people not on the videos commenting. So you'll find um, somebody sent me a screenshot of a Twitter thread of some people like having a go at me the other day, and that that really impacted me because I've got no control over that. You know what I mean? It's not anything I've done directly. It's people talking badly about me in somewhere else. Um, Rach found a website full of people, and it was actually. It's crazy it's like a celebrity gossip website but they it's a website that effectively um their kind of sole motive is to roast people on who are doing like videos and stuff online and content creators and stuff and i found that there was a thread about me on there with all people saying like nasty stuff about me and and the family as well which really annoyed me um but it's it's just yeah and it's personal and it's it's really i've got no control over that they're the ones that really hurt because you sort of, there's nothing you can do about this. You know, you, you can't report them to the website because it's what the website's all about. Like Twitter, for example, I've got no way of controlling what people say about me. Um, and I guess, you know, it, it doesn't get any easier. It really doesn't.
2: How does Rachel cope cool with it? No, is, is she all right with it?
0: Rach, to be honest, Rach has had um, she's been she's had people saying things about her for so many years. She's developed such a thick skin, bless her, and she just laughs it off completely. And we, we take the mickey out of the comments. Like um, one of the comments on this video was like, "Oh, Rach looks like the sort of person that would punch you out if you looked at her sideways or something." And um, and, and that, we've, we read a joke of that now. I'm like, "Don't look! at you know, I can't look at you sideways, Rach, because you're going to punch me out." You know, we, we'll have a laugh about it. She really doesn't like. Yeah, um, you know, doesn't get affected by it to the point that um, that I do really, I suppose, um, which is yeah. nice. But it still doesn't make me feel any better when I can see people saying those sorts of things about it. You know, yeah, I
2: guess I guess it's like when you're doing something so like amazing, like what you're doing, and it's like it's all positive, it's all positive, and and you're giving entertainment to so many people out there, and you get so many good comments, and like so many people love what you do, and then you get like obviously those odd ones coming in. It's just like it must, it's so disappointing and it. You just like feel. Oh, you've gone from like being up a high and excited and then you then you'll get something like that and you're like oh, yeah, yeah absolutely absolutely and you forget you forget all
0: the positive comments that you get yeah. you know they all sort of you don't think about those the ones that stick out in my mind are the negative ones um yeah. Although this morning, I mean, I I had a message on Instagram this morning from somebody and some guy, amazing guy, and he literally recorded a voice clip telling me how much my videos have impacted him and made his life better. And you know, when you actually hear someone's voice rather than seeing words on a screen, I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. It's so lovely that someone's actually taken the time to sit and do that and tell me that, you know about the videos that I've made them, and yeah, things like that really make me like make my day. I was telling you I was watching that stream the other day um, at Manchester, and they were talking about my videos and stuff, and going on about how um, you know how they saw the videos and what it, what the videos meant to them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those are the comments, the positive comments that stick with you because it's not just words on a screen, you know, it's somebody's yeah. actual genuine feelings, which is amazing, really. True.
1: Yeah. What What is it about the content that you think that sort of actually triggers them? Because you don't go out swearing at people i mean you know you i don't know what what is it triggers them? because i've i've seen your videos so i can't I, I can't see what what would yeah. upset people so so much that they had to go yeah. out and not yeah not only make a personal comment at you uh, but to 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 attack your wife as well
0: Yeah, I mean, so Rachel's appeared in quite a lot of the videos um, and people seem to, I mean, Rachel um, suffers from fibromyalgia, so she has issues with mobility a lot when we travel. So she has to have special assistance through the airport. People seem to think that, you know, that's a target for abuse for her because, you know, she's, in their words she's just fat and lazy and that's why she doesn't get to you know that's why she gets the wheelchair through the airport and stuff that's the sort of thing we get from there um from my point of view i mean with with the with the indian content like i say if you say anything either remotely critical or even not remotely critical you know people will find something to be negative about um for example the train. i did a train ride across india recently mm-hmm. and one of the shots that i showed was as we pulled out of that no commentary at all but it was a shot of the train tracks with all the rubbish at the side of the tracks that it's, um, inevitably sadly um is the case in a lot of india yeah. but that wasn't the point of the shot that was just i was showing the view out mm-hmm. and I'm getting like hundreds of comments, you know, you're just showing the rubbish at the side of the tracks just to make India look bad. It's like, really, I'm not, I'm not that clever. (laughs) You know, I just want to show it as I find it. And it's, um, I think sometimes what you show people, um, you know, doesn't necessarily agree with what they think it should be. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Uh, How often do you um, respond to comments now? I mean, do, do, do you try and answer, I mean, with, with your viewing figures, it's going to be hard to uh, answer. Yeah. Is there certain ones you think right now? I am going to reply to this or no, I'm, I'm going to leave it. How, how do you know?
0: You know, it's um, in terms of the positive comments, I do reply to a lot and people asking questions and stuff I like to reply to because people are genuinely engaging in conversation with you, which is nice. Um, The negative ones, you know, most of the time, this depends on my alcohol levels, most of the time (laughs) I will be quite kind of reserved and sort of like, you know, I don't care about it. I'll just delete it, you know, remove and hide, you know, block them from... Commenting again, and it works most of the time. Every now and then, I'll have had a couple of whiskies and I'll be like, <laughs> I'll just stop <laughs> replying back to them, which is be a terrible idea. That's terrible PR advice, by the way. Don't ever do that. <laughs> um, Simon, but, um, Simon uh,
1: take note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I'll play now. Sometimes you just can't help yourself, you know. And if someone's being an idiot, then I'll, I'll call them out on it. Um, and sometimes live to regret it. But then I don't know, it's um, it's very tempting sometimes with some of the people that comment. It depends Although
2: the mood you're in, doesn't it? It really depends what mood you're in, kind of like what you're going through that day. It's, someone can just drop a little thing in there and it just ignites your, your frustrations, your passions, whatever it's hard. Like it's, it's clearly a very passionate person, you know, and it's like us aviation geeks we're very uh, emotional. And, like, it doesn't take much because the best intentions, that's all we want to do is just, like, offer, like, the best. Uh You yeah. know you know what I mean? We want to provide a service. We want to, like, entertain people. We want to, like, provide good for people. And when some people see, like, you're trying to, there's a motive there, there's, you know, like, oh, have that little negative bit in there. you yeah. like, really? Really?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, from my point of view, the thing that's really um it's a rule that I sort of stick to now because um, I noticed that I just, I, you know, my first instinct when I woke up in the morning was to go on YouTube and see what people were saying about me. And it's, it's what everybody does with social media, isn't it? Like you instinct, you wake up, you pick up your phone, all oh, right, what's going on? And I had to stop that. And I've got a rule now. That I will not look at um, any negative or any comments online until sort of later on in the morning. Like for example, today we're recording this at like mid morning. Haven't looked at them yet today. I probably after lunch, I might have a quick look through and see what a few people are saying. But mm-hmm. the fact is, if you look at them early in the morning and those negative comments just text one and that's it. Your day's ruined. Mm-hmm. And you know, my kids don't deserve for me to be in this situation where I'm spiraling. Rach doesn't either. Bless her. And um, you know, it's, it, it, it's just not worth looking at them in the morning. And that's why a lot of the time I'll just sit in the evening with a glass of wine and (laughs) look through them because sometimes they're funny. And at that point of the day, my mind's generally in a much better place than it is sort of first thing in the morning. Um, But yeah, it definitely does depend on how you're feeling as to how you take a lot of them.
2: So, right. So we've kind of covered a bit of social media, the pros, the cons of social media. Let's get into your, like your airline experiences, right? Um, Kind of, you know, when you're flying, like, and you're getting on the how's that process go on like you know who are you booking your own tickets are you getting on board the plane are you doing all that yourself and then have you got to let them know that you're going to be on board and videoing and doing all of these things
0: so yeah the, well the way it usually works i don't have to let anybody know and i don't tend to let people know um unless unless there's like a, a media event or something around it it's very rare that i'll actually like. Make public that I'm actually going to fly, out, fly on a certain airline, um, because I don't, for a start I don't want any special treatment to anybody else. I just want to, get, you know, I want to pay for my ticket like everybody else does, and I want to get the experience that other people do, and then hopefully make a video out of it that people might enjoy. Um, so, for example, at the minute I'm just booking a trip for next month through Africa, um, and that's just been a case of I've, I've put an itinerary together, I found a few airlines that might be quite cool. Um, like the family obviously know where I'm going, and I've mentioned to a few people some of the flights I'll be taking, but the airlines certainly don't know that I'm going to be on those. It's and, totally um, qualified. what's that? Sorry. <laughs> You've told the family. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. i make sure I let them know before I go. Although, to be fair, they're not often that interested. But, yeah, <laughs> I think these days it's ridiculous. Like I'll give Rachel a massive printout of my itinerary before I go. And she's like, yeah, yeah, just took it over there. And she'll never look at it. And I'll be getting messages um, while I'm away. Where are you today? Like, what country are you in today? i <laughs> <I'm Yeah>. brilliant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: Um, I was going to say, with, with, with the airlines, yep. have, and obviously you're getting quite well known, have they tried to uh, chuck you any three B's to maybe show them in a positive light?
0: Yeah, I get offered a few times. Um, like, like in the last month, for example, I've had two companies approach me offering me three uh, flights with them in an exchange for a review. And I've got, I, I used to sort of take them and I used to say, yeah, if an airline's offering me a free flight, why wouldn't I? And then I sort of got to the point where, well, hang on a minute, this flight's going to cost me a few hundred quid to actually buy this flight, but that few hundred quid means that I can make an honest review about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I flew with an airline a couple of years ago, pre-COVID, and they had me, you know, they, they've got a brand new business class on their long-haul flights. They flew me over to New York and back, and um, the, the ex- I don't know, I just sort of felt wrong because there was certain experiences about it that I really didn't like, and I thought was a bit rubbish really and um, but then when you finish the video you've got an agreement with them you're going to send that to them and they tell you to be honest they tell you to make an honest video but you're, you're not yes. going to make an honest video if they're chucking you freebies like that and yeah i i just after that one i've kind of decided now that i won't do that i've had a few airlines i've had some of the middle east airlines to try and offer me free flights and i've, I've had to say no yeah. um even smaller airlines around the world have chucked me freebies like for example um Loganair offered me a, um, a flight with them up to um, Scotland to do this longest domestic flight and I said I'm more than, I'd love to do the longest domestic flight make a video of it but mm-hmm. I'm going to pay for it myself you know I don't want to get thrown it free because then if something does happen on the flight yeah. that I'm not happy with I can tell people about it and it makes a better video you know
2: mm-hmm. yeah yeah. And that's,
0: that's sort of how we go. So now our policy now is people come to us with free flights. We'll be like, we'll be more, more than happy to take it. And, uh, unless, you know, unless, for example, um, it's a media event or something like that, where you can only get it by being invited, in which case, obviously, we have to sort of um, be very clear with people and say, look, we have been took this flight free of charge here. Um, that's the only opportunity that we do that is if you're doing something that the general public can't buy. Um, obviously, it's a slightly different experience. But for the most part, any of the flights that do, um we just say no so, I mean, it's just not worth it to be honest
2: no yeah. what what's the coolest cabin that you've ever been in to date
0: the coolest cabin i've been in was emirates on their triple seven um yeah. and their first class cabin on their or some of their triple sevens um the older ones i don't think have it but they've put in these like they're, they're literally a completely private room yeah. and i'm not just talking a suite where you've got like a like a halfway up the cabin door this is like a floor-to-ceiling door that you can close and there's a little hatch where they can serve your food through and stuff like absolutely. that it's incredible it's like a hotel room in the sky it's just absolutely incredible um and the, the middle seat On those because if you think about it the middle seats would be completely dark and they've done something so cool they've got these massive hd tv screens with cameras showing outside of the aircraft so it looks like you're literally on a window seat even when you're on like the middle seats it's incredible um so yeah that's probably the coolest one i've been in
1: and going the other way what's the least coolest
0: (laughs) oh crikey um I mean, I'd have to say, I mean, in terms of the actual aircraft themselves, flying on the old Soviet airliners is always incredible fun because they're just amazing aircraft to fly on, let's face it. But they they ain't comfortable to ride on a lot of them. You know, I've flown on like the Antonov an 140 in Ukraine I flew on um with Motor a few years ago. Um and the seat was just so cramped and it's like a little turboprop airliner and they've crammed in as many seats as they can into it. So I'm like sat there like with my knees up and everything. It's just you know, there, and their Antonov 24s is another one they've got. And um you take the front row seat and there is literally zero leg room. You've got maybe this sort of much space, so you sort of have to sit on an angle um and then at the bottom of the um it's really funny because at the bottom of the wall in front of you um at the front of the cabin there's like a gap that's about that big and you can just sort of like put your camera under and you can see into like the baggage hold at the front of the plane. it's <laughs> <laughs> incredible like oh, amazing Great. experience
2: i've, I've got in my head now it's I'm going back to the triple seven on emirates that hatch as a crew member i could have so much fun with that hatch, <laughs> <laughs> there things getting put through that hatch that you would not expect. Yeah, <laughs> <will>. <laughs> <laughs> customer service,
1: incredible. sorry, customer service. No, I've, 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 I've Go got on, to ask you now. You with,
2: <laughs> <laughs> why is with, why is that buttock sticking through my? <laughs> what is that? Is that a new switch? <laughs>
1: yeah. No, we've got with, with the uh, sort of growth of uh, youtube channel um how far in advance do, do you plan now and, and what dictates uh where you should go next on, on location
0: um so typically well in terms of what dictates it um I, over the course of the year i try to do about four four big trips a year generally once a quarter and then in each trip i'll take about um like 12 videos out of that so it'll be about three months of content from each trip that i do generally um, and i try to sort of space them continents like by continent effectively so for example this year so far i've done um america i've done um where else have i been this year i can't even remember now it's been that many <laughs> oh, i've done america i've done india i've just got back from india um i've got a trip to africa coming up in a few weeks and then after that i'm doing um, southeast asia and australia now australia is open again um, and that's this year's sort of four big trips effectively um and generally, I'm planning them. Um, I, I tend to start planning them after I've got back from the previous trip, so it's generally a couple of months out. Um, although I've probably got things in my head um, already that I'd like to film later on, effectively. So I'll have like a list of things I want to do, and then we'll say, right, this time, for example, we're going to go to South America. Here's a list of things that I've thought of already that I'd like to do while I'm there, and then wow. sort of build an itinerary about around that, really.
1: And, and, and who's involved in this planning process? Is it just yourself having a meeting with yourself? Or <laughs> who, 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 who do you chat to? Because obviously when we, we we put content out, Simon and I have a, uh, a quick sort of content meeting, work out roughly what we'd like to do, where we'd like to go. Um, so what's that involve with, with yourself?
0: So generally, um, I mean, in terms of, so Rach is my kind of support on this aspect, really. Um, Rach doesn't have the aviation experience I do or the knowledge of what necessarily is going to do well on YouTube in terms of a video, but um I will sit with her excuse me, I'll sit with her and we'll go through a lot of the um the sort of planning aspects of that. So for instance, with the Africa trip, I've come up with some ideas and we've sat and gone, well, that might work or that might not work, or we could make this work by doing it this way. Um and yeah, effectively done it that way. Generally I plan it myself and then bounce off Rach for ideas on how I'm going to position this video um, it, it tends to work that way around really um, for example with the India content um, there are some flights I did in India that potentially might not have been that interesting but if you position them right and you film yeah. it in the right way you can make that into an interesting video that people want to watch um, and that's the aspect where Reach comes in really handy because she'll sit with me and go well actually I know you're thinking this is just a mundane flight but what about if we included this aspect in it and, and typically that's how we would come up with the idea of the video that's coming from the flight itself, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Also, I also, because, like, when Noah gets off the plane and he's, uh, he's done his bits, I know you like to explore the loose on board the plane, but we'll get to that one in a minute there. <laughs> uh, when you actually get outside the terminal and you go around, I'm, I'm just taking, like, your experience. What's the name of that place in India again? When Kalibraghi. That's going. and you explore the town the city the village whatever it, whatever it may be have you i'm not just talking about india i'm talking about anywhere that you might have been in the world have you ever experienced any like altercations any trouble has anybody ever encountered you put yourself in danger has that ever happened
0: i don't think so i'm a bit of a wuss if i'm honest and if there's anywhere like that that i'm visiting i don't tend to go and have a walk around um and it's it's weird there's some places i've been to where i just wouldn't do that um i was in bolivia and i've got a few hours between flights but in bolivia at the time i flew through there was a load of civil unrest and um to the point where i was debating canceling the flights but then people online were saying well you'd be all right in the airport you know you're not leaving the airport you're going to be absolutely fine um and that's 10 you see i tend to play it safe with things like that i can't really think of any time i guess the biggest thing that i've kind of found myself caught in was in canada believe it or not um last year and i was just walking um around town i was going out to get some souvenirs for the kids and there was this massive sort of anti-vaccine rally going on and it was just like sweeping down the streets and everything and i just found myself sort of standing in the middle of all these people with blind boards and i'm like this is this is so random <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's weird isn't it like so I've, I've everywhere i've been all over the world where there's like civil unrest and wars going yeah. on and stuff and then i end up in vancouver and there's like that's <laughs> yeah oh, wow.
1: actually no talking of which you should watch our um one of our videos oh, yeah. on our youtube channel i literally was on a, a check flight just to keep in check because of covid uh landed into uh, tel aviv straight into a war zone. I was literally just recording a small video about returning back to flying, and uh, I'm so glad I had that camera with me because some of the situations we ended up in, be, be, being bombed, having to go down to the uh, shelter, uh, was quite a scare. Um, again, it was meant to be a small video. I think Simon was enjoying the footage as I was sending it uh, yeah. b- back back to him. Well it, well, it was a bit scary, you know. These these yeah. are real bombs. Absolutely. They're not fire fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly yeah, you just yeah to run njc on your on, on your own but uh, no but moving on i so say your channel has grown massively uh it must be very good when you hit that youtube superstar status um <laughs> do, do, do youtube look after you do they give you like a, an account manager uh, how does it work when you meet those uh amazing numbers um to be honest
0: i've not really had anything like that the best thing i've got i think is this the where are we the, the silver play button which is oh yeah for a hundred thousand subscribers that's 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 it really um apparently you're supposed to get like a, a partner manager when you get bigger than 100k um yeah. but i hit 100k kind of right at the beginning of covid and i don't know what's happened i mean nobody's contacted me about anything like that at um, youtube um since then and now i'm obviously three and a half times that size now and i've yeah. still had nothing from youtube um and i'm kind of on my own in that i suppose if i pushed enough i might be able to get somebody but um we do have a partner manager at facebook because facebook is another massive audience yeah, for yeah. us um and they they change periodically but and if i'm honest they give us a little bit of support it's more a case of if i'm having a problem with something they'll go and investigate what's going on um for example i wanted to change my page name from the old brand name we had in flight video um i wanted to change that to my noel phillips name on facebook and when you've got sort of a million followers on Facebook they don't tend to like you just changing the page name it's not just an easy process just to do that ah, right. so I had to get them involved to help me do all of that mm-hmm. um, and they got me my little blue tick on Facebook as well which was quite nice um, but other than that you don't tend to get a lot of support from Facebook it tends to be more a case of have you thought about doing these sorts of videos to make more like to make more re- revenue or to get more followers or whatever like that and that tends to be the sort of that like, the extent of it really
2: yeah right now it's a two-part question first part is that obviously you've experienced a lot of cabin crew a lot of experiences with cabin crew now probably your overall kind of opinion of cabin crew is a positive one so can you tell me your overall opinion of like like uh what how you feel about cabin crew what the personalities are like and uh just give us some give us some words because we're, we're all about crew pilots and all that give us some words from your perspective like what your opinions are of cabin crew
0: so if i can just say what was it Vir- virgin's cabin crew are um, yeah yeah virgin virgin's are really good um, Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um no it's it's lovely and it depends on the airline you go to um, some you know a lot of the airlines if they sort of i'm getting to the point now where i get recognized quite a bit um and you get people sort of pulling out all the stops which is incredible even when you don't you'll find cabin crew that are just you know they notice that you're interested in the in the aircraft or you're asking questions about the plane and then pull out all the stops um i flew ba back from vancouver after that trip that i did over there and um some the video I was making was effectively about how cool it is when you were in a far flung land somewhere and you get into the airport and you see that British tail come around the corner of the terminal and you yeah. walk on board and you're just like, Hiya, you're all right to all the cabin crew and it's all really friendly and a bit of banter. And that was how I was making that video. And um, I sat chatting, this the purser came up and was chatting to me for like, it must have been about 40 minutes. Like, and <laughs> just like talking to me about his experience of flying on the 777 and, um, you know, and some of the places he'd been to and stuff like that when you get an enthusiastic cabin crew like that it is absolutely incredible mm-hmm. um and yeah it's that that's that's the sort of thing that i quite like um now sometimes you you can fly in different parts of the world where you have the cabin crew have a different mentality i mean in russia for instance um like the second they see your camera in russia on a plane that's it you've kind of made an enemy for the rest of the flight and and that's really? <laughs> um i did yeah i did one flight in um in Kostroma, and i flew on an antonov 26 which is a converted like cargo plane so effectively they just put seats in a cargo plane and um that's pretty much it and um the cabin crew they sort of spotted me i was like i got on board i noticed there were some other like plane spotters on the plane um because they were sort of taking photos and stuff as well. So I thought oh, it should be safe here to just like get my camera out and film out the window. And she literally sits on the row in front of me and she's like no, you, no no filming, no filming. I was like okay, no camera, no camera. And then every now and then I was just sort of trying to sneak it up and she's like no 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 no. no. <laughs> yeah. and like, wow. And she to the point where she literally sat next to me to effectively babysit me. So I couldn't film half the flight because this woman was like sat at the side of me oh, and gosh. every time the camera came up she's like no 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 no. I was like, oh, it was it was horrendous <laughs> and that's um i mentioned eventually managed to make something of that because it just turned into such a funny video like every yeah. time i started filming i'm getting told not to film and um yeah and i spoke to the other plane spotters after we landed into st petersburg and they were just sitting there like you know we, we were just really happy with it because it meant that she was just focusing on you and we could get on with doing all, uh, <laughs> our photos uh, on our sides so. and what were her reasons
1: for that was it a security issue or uh, what was she
0: worried about it's it, i think to a degree it's soviet mentality a lot of the time um the bigger airlines they travel a lot more and they and around the world and they see a lot more of the world and see a lot more passengers filming and stuff you're in a little town in the middle of nowhere in russia and you've got a flight attendant who's probably that's her only experience of having yeah. um you know operated on flights Um, And they're flying in and out of military airports sometimes as well, which probably gives them that mentality a bit more. And it just seems to be the attitude in some parts of the world that you can't do that. And they don't let you film at all, which is, I don't know it i suppose we should be grateful really it's a lot easier now than it used to be you know i was told i remember being told back in the early 2000s on air 2000 you're not allowed to film out of the window on air 2000 and that this that. is this is how far we've come this is this was a massive british charter airline back in like 20 years ago and they were telling me back then you couldn't film and now it's kind of normal for people to film and it's the odd exception where you'll find that so um yeah yeah
1: well no i did used to work for air 2000 before i worked for them for a uh, about a season and i remember filming uh and it, it this is before 9 11 you know so it wasn't even that but um yeah, i remember you we know had to stop people, people. For reason. I, For I, reason. I, can't, I can't remember I, I can't remember it was something to do with uh security threats um you, you know and obviously after 9 um, 11 yeah, worried. not yeah. kind of thing no. everyone was worried about Everything, in fact, no, yeah. that must have made your job incredibly hard straight after 9 11.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, to be honest, I didn't really have a job, um, in doing this, um, pre 9 11. Um, I do remember going plane spotting in the states because it at the time in 2000, I went actually, and it was renowned as the easiest place in the world to do plane spotting because you could just, um, and you guys will remember this there was no airport support, sec- well, there was airport security, but if you weren't a passenger, you could still go through security yeah. and go yeah. to the gates. So, yeah. I went on a trip when I was like 19. So back in 2000, and I went to Orlando. I bought a cheap flight over to Orlando. I flew up to Atlanta. I spent a day literally going up and down every concourse in Atlanta, plane spotting and videoing. Um, I did the same like multiple days running in um, MCO as well in in um, Orlando. Yeah. And at the time, like the, the States was just, the easiest place to be able to do plane spotting in because it was just you could just walk backwards and forwards um and then obviously 9 11 happened and it kind of went to the opposite extreme which was um yeah it did shake things up a little bit i suppose oh, But you
2: know, when 9 11 occurred i was at
0: work yeah i was at work at my at the aviation company which was weird because um we, we sort of got back from lunch and one of my friends had, um, had come down. He's like, oh, you've seen some more ones crash the plane into the World Trade Center. Yeah. And of course, my first thought is, you remember reading about that guy who crashed a plane into the Empire State Building because it was that, foggy yeah. or something. And so he was like, like oh, what an idiot. You, know, could you How do you not see the World Trade Center? You know? And then it, it was so surreal because we were sat there. And um, I remember we got a customer at one of the finance companies that we worked with. And um, they were trapped in the World Trade Center. And I remember they'd, um, our MD came in and told us. And it was just... It's like what really, and it is the day unfolded. Obviously, everyone's glued to the TVs, and we've got customers literally sitting in that building. And I never found out yeah. what happened. I, I don't try not to think about it. It's just awful, no. isn't it?
2: Yeah, I remember going. I mean, one of the first flights going back into into gfk I think it was like five days after uh, the events like occurred. And I remember, I just remember, like you know, just everybody on that flight. There was a lot of emergency services going out to uh, to New York to help and offer their assistance and I just I remember going across the Brooklyn Bridge because we used to stay in Brooklyn and I'm going over the Brooklyn Bridge and getting obviously when you come over the other side of Brooklyn Bridge and you're in Manhattan and you swing yeah. a left kind of thing and you start heading yeah. towards like where there, normally yeah and then just like the it just smells just what what you saw you know like all the all the the, the people who were like it the, there were lost people, you know, they were put pictures everywhere. Have you seen this person? You know, just, uh, yeah, it just takes you back. It was just like such, it seems so long ago now, but like, you know, you just, you remember as we talk and now it just takes you straight back to that situation. And it was just yeah. so numb so, such a moment and such a scary time for every airline, you know, whether they were going to survive. And luckily there's a lot of them. <laughs>
0: you know the weirdest thing for me i remember that day was obviously i'd met rachel at this point where we hadn't actually moved in together and i remember driving away from the office and just that feeling because you're listening to the radio and it was all somber music on the radio it was like yeah. the queen had died or something it was like ridiculously mm-hmm. such a, and it was such a surreal experience like the streets were empty everyone was obviously yeah. at home glued to the tvs and it, it literally felt like the beginning of World War Three, And yep. I just remember that feeling, thinking, God. And I remember ringing Rach in the evening when I got home from work. I'm like, is everything all right? You know, what you know, what's going on? How are you? And it, it was just, it shook, it just shook the world just so much. And I think that's something that even when you look back in the history books, you don't see that aspect of it. But everybody that saw that what happened, which was everybody in the world, but everybody that saw what happened on that day, I think, had the same feeling when they'd sort of finished and,
2: well, well, nobody felt safe. I mean, because we saw what they did there, and yep. if they can do that there, nowhere yep. safe. Nowhere yep. safe. Absolutely. Like if America haven't got like on top of this, then truly to God, there's going to be nowhere safe. So everyone was like really on on edge, weren't they?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, I think that was a thing, wasn't it? Nobody knew what was going to happen next. You know, there was a, a, pl- a plane crashed, i say a legitimate plane crash, but a plane crashed through all the reasons like a few weeks later. Yeah. And the first thoughts was, oh, God, it's happening again. And, yeah. and, it, and that was the case for so long, you know. That yeah, was not, not good. Right. The yeah.
2: second part of the first question is, on board of an aircraft, have you ever witnessed any medical emergencies on board? And did you partake in assistance at all? I mean, I'm
0: I'm kind of I faint at the sight of a drop of blood, Simon. So that's not that's not (laughs) that's that's not good for me. So I know I'm not I'm not sort. I won't be able to do that. But I have been on a few planes where we've had medical um, emergencies. Um, It it does happen quite a lot, as you guys all know. It happens like very often. There's only one time where we've actually we went to divert somewhere. We were flying to Kuwait, and um, we were sort of over Bulgaria at the time, and they came on and said, "Right, we're diverting to Istanbul." And I was like, oh, okay, we're diverting to Istanbul. And this passenger had been really poorly. And then after we'd started our descent into Istanbul, the passenger made a recovery and we were able to continue on. And that's sort of the closest we've come to actually diverting oh, wow. with all it. Right. But um, yeah, like, as you know, there are numerous times like you'd be flying and get a call out for medical assistance and stuff. And thankfully, most of the time, it just um, they seem to make a recovery and it's all all right. Good. Yeah. There
1: you go. I was going to say, Brett, we'll bring it, bring it forward, your career's hit the golden peak now, uh, when you joined us at Travel.Radio. There was a bit bit of an incident in the car park, uh, because obviously you haven't got your own car parking space yet. At uh, Travel.Radio towers. That time will come, uh, and it's very nice too. Um, But no, how how are you enjoying that? Because obviously we're we're on straight after you. We're super proud to call you a uh, a colleague. Um, So yeah, how are you finding your uh, transition into radio?
0: You know, I'm absolutely loving it. I was a bit unsure when I first started as to like whether it's going to be, you know, am I going to be all right at this? Am I going to like make an idiot of myself? And actually, it's it's just it's just so cool. You know, the fact that I can come out here. I'm going to record my show for this week just after this um, recording this with you guys, and I'm just so excited. I've already been on and looked at what music they put in for me, and I'm going to sit and record it and. pretend to be alan partridge for an hour and try and oh, make yeah. funny quips and things it's, it's just it's great fun you know and um, i i've been i have been interested in radio and stuff for a very long time um my dad was a in a small band back in the late 90s so we used to sort of travel around a lot of the local radio stations and things and and do um you know, just like interviews and stuff like that. And I used to be fascinated by it. And I'd sit at home and I'd be like trying to tune in new radio stations that I hadn't heard before. This is like things yeah. that kids these days won't know about. But yeah. back in the 90s, this was like everything, you know. Um So, yeah, I was always interested in radio. Never thought, you know, it was one of them things you just sort of put at the back of your mind. And then the fact that now I actually get to do this um and be on travel.radio every week, it's just, it's incredible. And um just I love it.
2: We, yeah, do. Yeah. we have a little giggle at ourselves, don't we? We've we been there nearly a year now, When I, re- I remember that conversation that Dave had with us, and we didn't know what she was getting in touch with us for, and then when she asked us, like, would you like your own show? Like, uh, like once a week kind of thing. We were like, some one of them, when you look at each other, and you're like, eh? <laughs> <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> what you guys do, I like the shows that like you do, I love the banter that you have, you know, I'd like you to have a show, and we were like, nah this is really a bit good,
0: yeah. you know and it's such a great team of people to work with as well that's the other thing that i've been struck with by this because that's what you don't necessarily see um when you're just listening into the radio but like genuinely everybody is so lovely at travel radio um all the hosts all the producers and everything are just so incredible and um yeah it, it, it is really a pleasure i'm absolutely loving it
1: yeah, I oh, know. Glad you are, and I say you will get that parking space at Travel. Towers. <laughs> uh, I think Sam Kane's going to give his up for you now. Now he's seen you're your, 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 your yeah. following on 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 YouTube, uh, but we have enjoyed. But listen, look, you've been on with us for over an hour now, and that's uh, that's amazing. That time's absolutely flown by. Um, I know Simon's always going to have more than one word or a last word. Simon, anything to say?
2: Yeah. Well, listen. The figures are astronomical. He's only going to grow and grow. I mean, three hundred ninety-eight thousand subscribers, five hundred ninety-two videos on YouTube. Uh, follow Noel's adventures as he goes along. Like you see, he's off. He's off to Africa. He's going to do some amazing shows there. Can't wait to see see all of that. You can see and follow Noel on Instagram, Facebook. You can go to his website. I'm definitely going to buy buy, buy a pair of his socks. Ah,
0: uh, you've got to. You've got to. <laughs> <laughs> you've
2: got to have those socks. Uh just before i go as well on um, that last video that you did on uh, star air on india i know you weren't too keen on the toilet but has there been a wo- <laughs> worst, worst toilet experience
0: the worst toilet experience it, it wasn't on a plane um the worst toilet experience i had was on a train <laughs> um <laughs> which was, um, <laughs> what was that? sorry
2: was at your own house
0: no 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 definitely not here no um, i've got a very good um yeah very good um family who kind of take care of all that for me but yeah <laughs> um no um the worst one i had was on that train in india which was just Ooh. as you know it and it, from a western perspective it's something that you're not used to you go you know you're you sitting there you have a glass of water or something a couple of beers and you're like right let's slip to the bathroom and you're not expecting the hole yeah. in the floor and it wasn't just the fact there was a hole in the floor it was an absolutely filthy hole in the floor you know the bathroom looked like i don't know I, I, I... yeah
2: try, try and get that image nice. in, in your head it, it was yeah. it
0: was not the nicest <laughs> experience um no in terms of onboard planes, I don't know. I've not really had any that have been particularly bad. Um, as you'll know, you'll find them in, like, towards the end of a flight in bad condition. But generally speaking, they're not too bad once you get into the bathroom. Um, I suppose the, the one that was memorable, really, from that perspective, was a little jet stream I flew on over in Canada. And the toilet on the jet stream, Um, effectively when you go to the toilet the door sort of opens and then sits to block the cabin off from the toilet so effectively you're sitting in the cabin at the back of the plane but the doors like come across um, which is weird in itself Um, but then you sort of notice that at the top of the door there is a gap about this big so, literally, you can stand up in the bathroom and look over the door and see like all the passengers oh. sitting there while you're sitting in the toilet. It's like, oh, okay. Let's make sure <laughs> that this isn't a noisy one. <laughs> oh, no.
1: Oh. And no, no um, just before we go... Uh, um... Any aircraft you would love to have flown on didn't get a chance of like Concorde or anything like that or perhaps you did get a chance to fly on Concorde
0: no I didn't get a chance to fly on Concorde that's one of the ones I'd love to fly on um, yeah. I wish that i have been able to fly on a Lockheed Tristar that's one yeah. Um, yeah. and a um, 727 is another one that I've never been on um, and You know, I'm just gutted that I never got to fly on it again. Such a cool plane. Um, And I missed out on these aircraft by so little. You know, like I started the YouTube adventure literally at the end of the lives of these aircraft. And like if I'd have started like three years earlier, potentially, I could have flown on them all. And yeah, gutted I've missed out on a lot of those.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, look, Noel, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Remember, you can find Noel on uh, travel.radio every uh, Sunday from 11 till 12, followed by destination unknown with uh, trevor and uh, simon and we do like to keep guys entertained on a uh, soft sunday afternoon i have a little ritual where i open a bottle of wine at two o'clock unless i'm yeah. flying of course uh so uh, we love it but no thank you so much for joining us uh, here at not just crew thank you very much. you're more much. than
0: welcome thanks very much for having me on thanks, thank you. All. thanks a lot see you later